0: This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. There are three main factors that determine the success of your ABM programs. Number one, accurate target account lists with verified contact data. Number two, keeping your CRM data actionable with reliable enrichment. And number three, going beyond serving ads with automated outbound emails. Apollo offers an all-in-one solution for these needs. Easily discover target accounts with over 65 filters, including technographics, buyer intent, and job titles, automatically validate and enrich contact data, streamline outreach, and boost campaign effectiveness with just a few clicks. They're ranked number one for contact and company data accuracy on G2, and with over 6,000 reviews and a 4.8 star rating, it makes sense why they're one of the most loved products out there right now. You can sign up for free with no credit card entry required. That's free for real free. No credit card even required at apollo.io slash exit5. That's A-P-O-L-L-O dot I-O slash exit5. One, two, three, four, exit. 5 exit. All right. So first let's start with, tell people what you were doing. You spent the last four years working at a company, talk about that company, the role, what you did, and then talk about the new opportunity. And I'll ask a bunch of questions and interject in between.
1: Yeah. So I spent four years at a company called Superside. When I started there, they were super, super early stage, a little bit sort of pre-product, You know, didn't have any recurring revenue, had some ACV coming through, but it wasn't recurring. And I don't think they had figured out exactly what the product or solution should be. And they certainly did not know at that time what the customer or ICP or any of that should be. So that was a leap of faith for me because I'd never done super early stage before. And I was like, let's just jump in and see what happens and see if I can build this puppy up. And we had agreed early on that this is going to be a very marketing driven engine and that we were not going to do like the highly sales led approach. And we wanted to grow efficiently, et cetera, et cetera. So I spent four years of my life there, just recently quit and joined another company, which is absolutely on the opposite side of that spectrum, which is they're established just to give you a sense of how established they are. This company is called ClickUp and they're in a very different space than Superside, which is where I was. ClickUp gets 6,000 signups for their product a day, a day, okay?
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That's like, it depends on the product, but I I was at a company and we get maybe like, 10,000 trials a month. And that was a good month. Yeah.
1: I mean, even that's also amazing to me because like we would ha- create like a hundred opportunities a month, right? As an example, like it's just, oh my God, like the scale yeah. is just like- Also,
0: I don't mean this as a slight to the company ClickUp. I haven't hmm. used the product. I don't know. But from my perception, I'm somebody in this space who like, I, I think I know this space well, but out of the like 10 to 15 people that I work with, none of them use ClickUp right now. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting to me is like, whoa, that just talks about the size of the market, market, right? If
1: Tam is gigantic, that's crazy. Yeah. I think the click up opportunity is that I don't think they even think about it like that, which I find wild because as an outsider, this is how I saw it as now a new user that is sort of like using the intricacies of the product. I see them as a replacement for not only like an Asana and Monday, which I was a power user of but also for Notion and Airtable. Like for me, that's the stack that they kind of replace. And I don't think they ever think, they're like, we don't compete with Notion. We don't compete with Airtable. I was like, sure you do. People are doing all the stuff that they do in Airtable and ClickUp at our company. And like, we could steal that share of wallet and same goes with Notion. And they just didn't see it like that at all. Even now, I think I have some convincing to do. But the TAM is huge. It's gigantic. And like, there's room for, it seems like for everybody.
0: Cool. and. Before we talk about the clickup experience, I just thought of this while you're talking about your career. Like you had basically focused on demand gen in like a manager role and then a director role and then at a VP level. And then it seemed like you wanted to make the jump in your career. Okay, I've I've kind of proven I can do this on like a slice of marketing. I want to now go take a job where I run all of marketing. And that's what got you to be VP of marketing at Superside, and you did what you did and grew there. Talk about that moment. Because I think there's a lot of people that listen that that are at that point where they're like, yeah, I want to run marketing one day. I'm currently like focused on a specialized area, in your case, demand gen, which is obviously huge. Why did you want to make the leap? Like, why did you want to make the leap outside of just that specialty to run all of marketing and talk a little bit about just like how you felt as everyone does? Like, I have imposter syndrome. I don't know all these things, but you made the jump. I want to dig into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest, I don't think anyone, I mean, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but I don't think anyone would have given me the opportunity to run marketing at a more established company. Like I think I needed to prove myself and cut my teeth at like a smaller company. And so Superside was like the perfect stepping stone from that perspective. I, when I was at the company before that called Top Hat Canadian company, very different space than both Superside and ClickUp. The demand gen function, I just realized over there and other companies, the demand gen function is like, Super central, like it is the engine for revenue and connects all the dots across a number of different other functions. I think often people think that that's product marketing, which is true. I think product marketing is that connection between product and marketing and growth. If in fact that is different than sales, but I don't think they're the engine and the machine building part. Right, they're the hub, but they're not the machine. Demand is the machine. It actually forces you to ponder all of the stuff that you haven't figured out because you need to know certain basic things before you can execute an amazing campaign and actually drive revenue from it. So in that role, which was like a very interesting role, I also ended up launching all sorts of stuff that normally general wouldn't launch, which is like an example of that is like we launched a marketplace. So I built the product with a small group of engineers and we launched it with like a ragtag team of four people. And that experience just opened me up to like really realizing that I think I have the chops to run marketing. I don't need to, you know, report to a CMO. Let me see if I can be the CMO. And it was just a leap of faith, honestly. And at that point, I was just like high on like, oh, look at me, I've done this and done that. And I can, you know, it was like one of those things. And I was just like, I'm going to leave this company, but I'm only going to look for VP marketing or CMO opportunities exclusively. Any sexy role that came my way, that was like at a cool company, but was not a VP or CMO role, I was like, it's a no brainer. I mean, I just can't. It's a deal breaker. I can't. So I, I gave myself that challenge at that time.
0: I had a similar experience, and like, I didn't come in as a that high of a level. I was much. I came in as like a manager, but it was because of the company. I think like going to an early stage company. I was a marketer who just was like a hustler, right? Like I would, okay, we got to figure out SEO. Like I don't know how to do SEO. I'll figure that out. I'm going to figure out paid. I'm going to create a landing page hey we're announcing this new launch tomorrow oh boom hack together a landing page email okay we're going to try some pr now yeah and that was like the best most fun time in my career because you get to learn by doing and i think it's like yeah we talk about all this stuff on linkedin you know (laughs) all day but ultimately there's so much nuance to it and the best way to do it is to find a place where you can learn and like actually get your hands on some of that stuff like i had prior to that i had been in roles where I was supporting those other people, but I didn't have the keys to anything. It's really fun when you get the keys to everything, a little bit intimidating, right? But when you get the keys and you're like, wait, I get to come up with the strategy now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that's where you learn the most, I think. And
1: I think you said, I don't know where you said this, but in some ways, like the precursor to being successful in that environment is like you can do those things without repercussion. That's the key, I think. Like if you have permission to throw shit at the wall, and no and everybody know the ceo everybody knows hey half of this is going to fail and we're right. okay with that i think you were adrift at, at least you were kind of able to do that
0: yeah one thing for me was like the ceo just liked that like i did shit <laughs> and like instead of being like hey i have an idea email boss about it wait for reply like and obviously there's reasons that like this may have been easier for me to do inside of the company than others but like I just was like, cool. I think we need to go do this thing. And we did it. And he was like, huh, this person's showing initiative. And then kept Mm. doing that and kept doing that. And I think now I see the reverse of it. Like, as someone who then became like a CMO, the people that you want on your team are the ones who you like. You feel like they're just on top of it, right? I might not know, like when the execs get stressed out, when they think they got to like pay attention to every tiny little detail that's going on, that means they don't trust you. Mm. And so it's the best feeling in the world as like a CMO as an example to have like, oh, I got so-and-so on my team. Like I feel great about it. They're proactively telling me like, hey, we need to do this and we did this thing and I can go to sleep at night knowing that they got it. And I think like in the early days, I didn't come in at a, as a director level person. I just was like a scrappy marketer. And I think within the first like three to six months, I became the like, if the founder, and he was very involved in the marketing, but like he basically could tell me something and I would go execute it. Mm. And the next day he'd show up at work and it would be done and right and good. And we'd iterate and learn. And so at that time, that was like how I got my way into a leadership role as opposed to like, I'm going to become a leader at this company. But anyway... Mm. I think being able to go and do the things at a company is is very worthwhile. Even if you don't think this company is going to be the next sales force. Like, could you go take a job mm. where you go there to learn and you have a specific set of things that you, hey, like, yeah, I don't think this company is going to be a billion dollar company. But like, if I could spend two or three years here, get my hands on a bunch of stuff, grow a bunch of stuff, I think that's an amazing way to like take the jump and try yeah. to grow.
1: Yeah, 100%. If you optimize for like learning, then yeah, the the world is your oyster. I Sometimes I hear... And I love your perspective, but like I hear of a strategy, which I don't even know what to call it. I think it's kind of gross, but lots of people subscribe to this is like, you change jobs every couple of years, you go from, you know, unicorn or decacorn to decacorn or whatever. And you just do a few little things, collect your equity, and then you're on to the next thing. And you do a few things, collect your equity, and you go on to the next thing. What is that? And is that like a way to grow your career? Because it looks good on your resume. I got to tell you that. And it's probably really good in your bank account.
0: It could be. I mean, it depends on what you're doing at those companies. If you're just doing it for a year, it's tough to say without knowing what you're learning. I don't necessarily think it's that bad.
1: To like not optimize for the learning and to like sink your teeth in. but Well,
0: no, I think you can learn a lot in a year at a company. Hmm. And so if you learn something and there's a... Because I also think like a lot of times... I believe you have to just look out for yourself and I've been at mm. companies either too long or like, you need to, I think, I wouldn't say this if I was a CMO still, but I can say it now. Yeah. I would always be looking and I, mm. I'm as a candidate and mm. I can say this now because i like, maybe I'm not at a company in the position of them, but like, we're all getting messages all the time. If you're a top performer in your niche, or even like look like one, just based on the company you're at, and like, I don't know, there's gonna be a company that's gonna offer you 30% more money than you're making right now, and it's not all about money. Granted, you could take the big pay cut, pay jump, and then like go work for a worse team and a worse product, and it's not all gravy. But I just think like part of you should be looking for the next thing. And anyway, my rant, I do see both sides of this because for me, I jumped around a lot. I worked at 5 companies in 6 years but that was as a much more junior employee yeah, so i worked at fi- i worked at 5 companies in 6 years until i found my drift and like got a place to settle so yeah i don't know it's interesting it's interesting this is a good i'm glad like we're bringing up these sides cuz i'm curious to hear what what people think it's i see it from the employer standpoint and like how and how you got to learn but i also see it as like ah you could say your company for a year and the company's like, Hey, like you're so awesome at your job. You did such a good work this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we're not doing raises right now because of blah, blah, blah. Like we've all been there. Like yeah, we've totally. all been through that. And so, yeah. like on one side of the coin, if you're like, shoot, I wanna like I wanna grow my income, this yeah. might be a time to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think there are situations that warrant that for sure. It's just is it a strategy on how to like grow your career and live your life? And that's yeah. what I was questioning mainly. Yeah. Cool though.
0: Okay. So Super side. If you took a wrap, if you took put a wrap around the four years-ish there, right? It was four years? hmm Okay. What are like one or two of the biggest plays or things that you accomplished that you're proud about? And I don't want to hear about like the the cool campaign that you did, but I think people want to hear about like strategy, internal company stuff. What made the biggest impact on you as a VP of marketing?
1: Yeah. I think like the number one thing, which I alluded to earlier was that we wanted to grow and scale efficiently. And that was a mandate that we had from the beginning. So what that meant is, you know, what sometimes startups do when they're early is like throw like a bunch of bodies at a problem, get like a bunch of sales reps, SDRs, whatever they are, go figure it out and like figure out product market fit. And then like, if that works and it sticks, then we'll build a marketing machine, blah, blah, blah. We did it the opposite way. I think that was Super beneficial because by the time we launched, the marketing machine was like halfway built. And then we could scale that where we thought like we were getting good bank. So did you up.
0: kind of have like, there was a marketing budget, but you yeah. kind of just needed to pick everything and one off and justify the costs?
1: Yeah, basically we had a pretty sizable budget. Like it was a pretty good budget. Like I think our budget, even like when we had zero recurring revenue, was like a solid like 2 million, which honestly like not a lot of startups have that kind of budget. That's so amazing. I was definitely given a good, amount of like things to play with. There was no team. It was just me, but I could use freelancers, contractors, hire up a couple of people. So there's like lots of flexibility in that.
0: Wait, I want to interrupt you on that and ask a question. So they give you $2 million budget. What's something that overworked in that $2 million budget? And then what's something that looking back was a waste of budget and didn't work in that time?
1: Yeah. I'd say in the first year, So because we wanted to get to product market fit really quickly and the speed and velocity piece was like really important, the first and only thing I did is invent the brand and the general positioning that went with it and stood up like literally like a 10 page website. It was like the most hacky, but cute, like really nice, but you know, high converting website, but like literally 10 pages. It was like nothing else on there. So figured that out and then basically deployed a bunch of paid social spend on it. That was literally the first thing I did. So that told us in three months that this is a viable thing, that there is a need for this. I listened to every sales call that we had and we had like at the time, like four sales reps or something or three maybe at the time that were just like taking these calls and closing deals and whatnot. And we were learning super fast from that. And we got a a place in, so we launched in September, 2019. By the end of the year, we knew exactly like who would buy us and who wouldn't buy us and where there was a beachhead strategy looming. And so then we took that insight, which happened really fast, and then said, okay, here's the plan for 2020. Here's the plan for how we're actually gonna infiltrate these specific types of accounts and these specific ICPs.
0: And just for clarity, like uh, when you joined, was it a similar product as it is now, like creative as a service?
1: No, not at all. So what this, was the, the product?
0: Cause I'm trying to just understand like, okay, got it. Yeah. Like you're up to the website, Yeah. then you put paid social on.
1: Yeah. The company used to be called Consys. Actually, if someone wants to go to Wayback Machine and pull up Consys.com, you could probably see it. K-O-N-S-U-S. That's why I was
0: actually, I'm doing that. You're doing that literally. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: So Consys was basically like a better version of Fiverr and Upwork. Yeah. That was all it was. And the width, like the breadth of like what we offered was quite limited. And the whole spiel was get design done in like twenty four hours or something like that. Okay.
0: That's kind of what I'm looking for. So you had a great you had a clear, even though it ended up not being right, right? You had a clear offering, which is like, oh, this is something that we want to offer right now. It's not I think like a lot of people, it depends on what company you work at.
1: I mean, it wasn't a clear offering because like marketing productized what we thought the offering could be. So we launched a slightly new offering, only geared towards mid market and enterprise, which was not this weird pays you go design like upworky kind of thing. It was like a subscription. I designed the pricing myself. Like <laughs> literally, it was like literally coming out of my brain based on some user interviews and whatnot that we had done. And this like test that we were running on the side. Like every single day we would look at like what the comments on Facebook would be, what are the sales calls, all the notes, all the win-loss analysis from there. And we'd be like changing like the offering on the website literally every week. Every week we'd be like it's small iteration here, small iteration there. It was insane. There's like literally building the product as we were getting feedback, which is how software development honestly should be, which is how, yeah. cu- like, I think Paul Graham pioneered this term a long time yeah. ago, customer development, I think he called it. That's basically what it is. to build it as you get feedback and validation.
0: Yeah, this is exactly like the time that I was at Drift. And I just wrote about this the other day where I was like, I just said something about like, people mix up like positioning with just marketing's job. And it's like, when you're in, the role that you are in which is so early in the company and you're sitting in that room like and you're working together and you're ma- you're not just making these changes just to change the copy it's because you're iterating with product and trying to change the packaging i bet for the duration of your 4 years at superside like you're able to tell such a compelling company story because you're working with the product team i think where a lot of positioning fails is like product goes and builds the product and then it's like Here you hey go. marketing position this yeah. <laughs> and it's like No, no, no. Fundamentally, like positioning has to (laughs) involve the product because you wouldn't know what to build if you don't know what the positioning for that is gonna be. Who are you building it for? Yeah. That's like what I learned from David and Elias at Drift, which is like now that I've seen that and I'm hearing what you did, I can't unsee that. And again, this is why for like the founders that are listening, this is why you hire Mark. you don't wait to get traction and then bring on marketing. (laughs) I know,
1: I find that like a crazy thing. And until superside, I was in that camp too. I was like, Oh, you I've literally been in job interviews where I would be like, I don't think you need marketing right now. And I was so wrong. Cause like you need it on day one because they're informing what it is that you're building in the first place. Like, where are you getting all this insight from?
0: Yeah. And like that is we were doing like weekly launches. And so like we would literally, here's what we think we're building, we would do weekly sprints, and we'd say, Okay, next week we want to launch. This Slack integration. We think this will be huge. Awesome. I guess I know what I'm working on for the week. You know, that's literally how you come up with your work. There's like, there's some, like when nothing's going on, you can do longer term work at a startup like this. But if you're the first marketing person, you're like, cool. Then we're going to spend the rest of the week like working with the product team, coming up with the messaging for that, coming up with the product marketing, the screenshots. And we're all as a company. I also think it's like how you create that company momentum too. Then you're like, launch, iterate, learn. It's just like, man, people go to companies and it's like, we take three to six months to like roll out our positioning. And it's like, just, please just go. (laughs) yeah, Because you need the feedback and you need to iterate along the way. I couldn't find the conscious one, but I see hassle-free design for growing teams, dedicated team of top designers, Mm -hmm. fast turnarounds, reliable and affordable.
1: Oh my words. (laughs) I love that. And just like coming up with nostalgia. Nostalgia, seriously. It's so cute.
0: (laughs) Don't worry, here's what's going to happen. Five years from now, 10 years from now, super is going to evolve and they're actually going to come back to the old positioning and then the, everyone there is going to take credit for like initial for writing that and you're going to be like what that's my message i know that <laughs> message
1: well yeah that's okay i don't care about the credit what's i old mean, is new yeah what's old is new it just comes back yeah over and over
0: you're listening to my dad's xfi podcast hey it's dave real quick are you hiring marketers or looking for your next marketing job? We just launched the Exit 5 Job Board, and you can check it out right now. It's jobs.exit5.com. We're building the number one resource online for you if you're looking for your next marketing gig, or if you're an employer and you want to reach talented marketers in our network, you can do so right through the Exit 5 Job Board. Go and check out the jobs over there right now. You can browse if you're looking, or if you're an employer, go post a job and find your next great teammate. That's the power of a niche like B2B marketing. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're building here at Exit 5. Go check it out. It's the Exit 5 Job Board, jobs.exit5.com. All right, so we got a little nugget out of that story. What was Okay, so you deployed paid social.
1: Yeah, learned really fast, figured out the beachhead knew exactly how to evolve the positioning and actually pricing. We got tons of pricing feedback through that.
0: Oh, sorry. Did you do the positioning on your own or did you hire somebody?
1: No, on our own. Like it was just like the brand and positioning kind of went hand in hand and it was like a small team of the CEO, the COO, me, and this like extremely new creative director who had joined alongside me, who was in operations.
0: Did you have a framework or a doc where you're like, hey, we're going to do positioning. Here's the Google doc template we're going to follow. Or how did it come up?
1: No, just honestly, like Like whiteboarded. Yeah, whiteboarded a little bit. Actually, like it was interesting because even before I started, they had given me this like to the interview process. They'd given me like this as like assignment to like kind of think about this. So I'd kind of done the work before I showed up. And then we just took that and like made it a bit better. And then that was it. That's what we threw up.
0: Well, that's also like a side awesome story. That's like, so you get the job with your plan. It's not like you made up some, and then you come in, there's like, hey, great. Like we want to we'll hire, the, see this plan this woman did. Like we want this, here's money to come work for us. Now go do this. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, this is actually the nugget here is that, you know, a lot of people hate on like, ooh, like don't ask people to like, you know, do assignments before you take the job and it should be a paid thing. Like, yeah, I was okay, going to ask
0: you this, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know it's counterintuitive and I'm going to get canceled for this, but no, just do it, man. Like you're trying to prove you can do the job. Just do the work.
0: Okay. High five. The, when people say that to me, it means they don't, it's not the right job for them. Because if you found, if you were so fired up about taking that job, you would do it. And you wouldn't like, if you're a designer or whatever, like, obviously if we, if we ask you to do designs in the interview process, and then we use the designs in our marketing and we don't hire you, like, yes, that's shitty. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> but, shitty, yeah.
0: But like, if you want to be the marketing leader of this company, like, how on earth are you going to convince, as well as you interview, like, there's the personality interview and then there's the, like, the no, what are you going to do here? And I think the fact that you got to come in and execute on that shows you, you showed them right out of the gate, like, hey, I have a vision for this. Here's how this is going to work. Here's what we're going to do. Like, that's how you're going to get the job.
1: Yeah. Especially that job, because it's a high risk on both sides. Like I'm joining this like early stage company that could go to shit in six months. And then they're hiring this VP of marketing person who they're like, we don't even know exactly what we need. So they needed something tangible, I think, to like hang their hat on and be like confident that this could work. This could potentially work.
0: Yeah. Also, I remember, so like when I was at Drift, we were hiring and interviewing other VPs and even people that we wouldn't hire everybody would do some type of presentation or come in with one. And just inside of the company, like I learned so much from candidates who would come Mm. in and like break something down. Not information that you can steal, but like the right candidate for a role is often going to be the one that like teaches you about something and is like, oh, this person might be better at this than me. Mm. (laughs) Like we should hire that person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally, yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot along the way for all sorts of candidates that, you know, and sorts of roles that I've tried to hire. Yeah, actually, it's so funny because when that person teaches you something and you like clock them in your head, like for me, at least they stay with me forever. Like, me too. Two of those people I'm talking to right now at ClickUp, for example, that we did not actually end up hiring at Superside for a variety of reasons, not because they were like not a good fit or anything, but yeah, yeah it's just so funny how that happens.
0: I can think of one guy specifically that like in the interview, like he stood up in the interview and like rolled up his sleeves and like on the whiteboard, like.
1: Amazing.
0: Showed me something. And this was about like ABM and enterprise. Oh and my at God, time, I love that. At the time, like I was hiring marketers. We needed somebody to do ABM and I was going to manage that. This person had like 20, 30 years, more years of experience than I did. Wow. And he came in and just was like. Amazing. And I was like, we got to hire that guy.
1: Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And that's doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. But that's when the hiring process is like, oh, this is pretty obvious who we should hire.
1: Yeah. How do you do that, that thing that happened with you and this guy? How do you do that over Zoom? That's my question. Because the whiteboarding, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's so true. Wow. I, yeah. I, here's how Like, I'm out of the loop. I am not like working in a company. That is such a huge element of hiring is spending that time.
1: Spending that time and seeing yeah. like how someone thinks real time. I think what's happened with the remote hiring thing and the yeah. remote interviewing is that it's not easy to just like take post-its and put it up and whiteboard it. Like you can kind of do it on virtual stuff like Miro or whatever, but it's yucky and it's not quite yeah. as real time. Yeah. And yeah, so much gets lost in that.
0: Yeah, because they could present a deck to you, but that's not as like kind of free-flowing and open yeah. as a whiteboard might be. That's interesting. All right. Call into the listener line. If do you have a way of We'd love to hear how you're managing interviews and stuff for those companies remotely. You can pop into Exit 5 and start that discussion. All right. Superside, there's a lot we could tell. I've asked enough questions. I want to talk about when you decided to leave because the culmination of like deciding to leave or that thing is a big decision. For people, how do you make it? And then like, how did you choose ClickUp? Mm -hmm. And why did you take the job? How did it come up? All that stuff is interesting to me.
1: Yeah, no, that is, I mean, it's funny because I've been trying to tell this story to other people and I've noticed about myself that the story changes every time I tell it, which is like, I don't know what that is because like.
0: (laughs) With the story of why you left.
1: And the how, like the orchestration, like the order of operations of like how and why and blah, blah, blah. like yeah it's been changing as I tell it. It's just so bizarre because I think some things are becoming clear, even to me, you know, stuff that you feel in your gut or is in like the back of your brain, but it hasn't like come to the forefront. It's like, things are more clear to me now that I've been at this job for two weeks and all that stuff is behind me. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but
0: I hear you hundred percent. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But I'm in Boston at my cousin's right now, just uh, here for a wedding. And I was literally just telling them the story last night. And I started off by saying that for me, it comes down to one clear thing. And there was a day that I realized that there was a slight loss of enthusiasm. And that's the day that I decided to quit.
0: I would love to hear if you could share. Yeah. Like, did you start looking? Did you let people know that you're available? Did you go find recruiters? Like, and then how did you land at ClickUp?
1: Yeah, the first thing I did and this is why I said earlier like this is like obviously a very privileged position and not everyone's in this boat, but I think I had just somehow in the last year a crazy amount of inbound recruiting stuff and just insane amounts. So all I did, like I was on vacation actually and I just called up my boss when he was available cuz he was on pat leave and I was on vacation and it was like hard to schedule time but finally got a hold of him and I just said I think I'm done. Like I had the whole conversation with him and I was like, I think it's done. I think you should start looking for a replacement and I'm going to start looking for a job kind of thing. So literally that night, I just sent like a standard message to every single person that was like kind of half credible saying, Hey, I think I might be on the market. Let's chat. That's all I did. That's literally all I did. And yeah, ClickUp was born of that.
0: And was that just to see like of those messages Let's just go take some calls and see how it goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And like, there's some people that I also follow on LinkedIn and the interwebs in general, you know, and there's some people that I admire. So it's always kind of nice when people that you admire kind of want you on the team. And that's kind of how ClickUp happened. Like the chief growth officer at ClickUp, like he's actually maybe like lesser known because he's been on the consumer side and he's lesser known in B2B, I would say. But he's just brought together the thing that I've been trying to do forever, which is growth inside the product and then growth through marketing. I don't know what that's called. That's growth. Yeah. And he's built this amazing org.
0: So do you report to the chief growth officer? Oh, cool. That's right. All right.
1: That's right. But the growth team here is product and right. marketing. Which, yeah, which is which, awesome. Which is awesome. Yeah. And like, it's crazy how many companies aren't structured like that. And those intertwinings aren't really there. And it's like pulling teeth. And- well,
0: and there's a lot of people who would want to be CMO and go to ClickUp and be like, well, I want to own some of those things and compete. Yeah. But man, your life is going to be much easier if you know exactly what you're doing and where it fits with everything else. And to hear that stuff is aligned is cool.
1: Yeah. So what I loved about ClickUp was, one, the CGO was there. He had built this org, which is like the dream org that I wanted to be a part of. I also thought that, you know, I'd never done like the slightly later stage, kind of, you know, 6,000 signups a day type company before. So just from a challenge perspective, I was kind of like, this would be cool. Now I'm going to have the full variety, the full spectrum of variety in my resume. I've done super early stage. I've done the growth stage. And now I can do kind of, not necessarily late stage, they're still in growth stage, but they're a little bit more established. They have pretty good product and you know they're at least known in the market. So that was kind of, those were the two main factors I looked at.
0: Cool. You said that um, over the last year or so, you started to get a lot more inbound from recruiters. Do you think there was something that, kicked that off? Was it the culmination of three years and Superside growing and more people knowing about the company? Where did it come from? Because you started writing on LinkedIn, like I've, your posts, you became someone that I saw all the time.
1: Really? I don't even write that much. I write like one post a month, but...
0: That's what I... No, but when you write, what I think is cool about your LinkedIn strategy, so for people that are listening that want to see somebody who's good at LinkedIn... When you write something, you go in though. Yeah, there's some F-bombs. You usually have like a take or something specific or you, something you did when you write. I mean, look, you say, I don't do much on LinkedIn. I'm looking at your post right now. 457 likes, 81 comments from this lady who says she doesn't really do LinkedIn. But
1: I write one thing a month rather than one thing every day, like which is a lot of the LinkedIn influencers.
0: Love that. So you're not sharing some like corny quote. You're like writing something real I when you have something to say.
1: Yeah. And, and I think my strat I don't have a defined strategy. I, I honestly, whatever's big and percolating in my head, I like just like vomit it out typically.
0: So do you think that LinkedIn contributed to increasing your brand as a VP of marketing?
1: It probably did, but I actually suspect that it was more, I think it was twofold. One was, I think Superside was on the map officially. And yep. then people are always curious, like, Ooh, I'm seeing your ads. Ooh, I'm seeing who is the person behind this? And I think they just go look of like who the heck these people are. And I think I just show up as part of that posse. Right. I think that's part of it. So I think super definitely helps me establish credibility.
0: So for people who are like, I don't want to be another one of those LinkedIn people. Like I want to actually do the, do the work and do the results. Like, I think what you said is so real, which is, Founders, CEOs, recruiters, whoever, they look for companies, especially when you're in marketing, they look for companies who's doing good marketing. And I think Superside was doing interesting things from a marketing perspective. And then exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah. I do it all the time right now. I'm like, oh, no, that was a cool ad. Let me check this company out. I've been seeing this company, yeah. Apollo.io. They're yeah. like a Zoom info competitor. I just was literally clicking on this thing before. And I I saw something, some marketing that they put out and I click on it. And then I go and find out, oh, like, oh, interesting. They got this person doing marketing. Yeah. That's such a good point.
1: Totally. So you kind of try to find the people behind the good marketing, right? And that's how I find a lot of candidates for roles and whatnot as well. So I think that definitely helped that we had good marketing and then that I could ride the coattails of the stuff that we were creating, our team was creating. And I think the second thing that helped was you had me on your podcast and a few other podcast hosts had me on a podcast in rapid, like, succession. Like it was like every month I had like two podcasts somehow booked. It just so happened in the last year. And I think that probably helped. I think those two things together really helped.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. But inviting you on is the easy part. I think you win people by, huh? I just learned something from this person over the last hour. I'm going to send you a message. I love that. Thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah. Please, whoever's listening, clip this out, make that an ad or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you've only been uh, click up for two weeks. So maybe mm-hmm. in a couple months, you'll come back on and we could do like a first 90 days in a new VP marketing role, especially working with growth and product, I think will be super interesting. But just give me, we'll wrap up with this, like a sneak peek of like, you know, what, what does a new VP come in and do, especially at a huge company like this? So you just yeah. listen to gong calls for two weeks or what have you been doing and how do you come in and make an impact?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I could easily spend two weeks on listening to gone calls and win-loss reviews and whatnot, but that is not the ClickUp way. You drink from the fire hose here. This is a real thing at ClickUp. So it just so happened that they do this like internal leadership summit every year. It's kind of not really an SKO or anything, but it's like, like come to Jesus kind of conversations. And it's like a lot of leaders in the GTM org. So it's like product marketing sales and customer success, essentially. And I think support was also part of it. And it happened to be the day, like it was on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday was my last day at Superside. So they said, come to this thing. It's the perfect time. My sign date was actually in September, like after Labor Day, long weekend. And they were like, you should come to this. This is going to be important for you. And then as it turns out, we just changed my start date to then. But it was like the weekend, like I finished on Friday and then Saturday I flew to Miami to go to this thing. And crazy. I think if I hadn't had that deep dive with like that leadership team, like it goes like maybe 30 people in various sessions and meetings all the time. I think if I hadn't had that, like, I'd be like way far behind. Like I knew leaving that summit, I knew exactly what the big problems were, where I could make a dent, who are the players, right? That's a big piece because they have a guy for everything here. There's a guy for everything, you know, it's <laughs> like... Because it's a big company. I hope it's
0: not actually a guy for everything.
1: Guy, gal, whatever. You know, <laughs> no, there's a person for everything, yeah, yeah. right? So, What's I, I the total like,
0: employees at the company? Is I think it? it's like
1: a thousand. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like a thousand. Yeah, so
0: you've reached like... Uh, website yet. yeah, that's tough because there's a lot of gatekeepers you can't just come in here no go change everything because that's mary's area you can't come in yeah. here and step on mary's toes
1: 100 i was like this enterprise page sucks can i go change it they were like nope you have to submit a ticket and then do this and i was like oh, oh my man. lord
0: i would have already been fired
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no but i know all the peeps now and they want to help me right so cool. that summit like solidified a lot of that stuff and so
0: well, without like giving away the company's the strategy and stuff, but what do they want out of you? Like why hire, why bring in, if they got this great growth and product team, yeah. what do they see the role of marketing? And yeah. Doing
1: my number one mission. It sounds like nothing, but it's a really big mission is that ClickUp has been successful in very small pockets of like micros and SMBs and with agencies. That is the bulk of their customer and user base. They have some amazing logos. I will give them credit that they have some really amazing mid market enterprise logos, but that is not the bulk of it. That is not the bulk of their sign ups. That's not the bulk of their revenue. So, their strategy is we're going to go upstream, upmarket. And the way to unlock mid market enterprise, and as my boss calls it, go wall to wall inside a company, is not something that they have nailed. They don't have that playbook, they don't have the people, they don't have a content machine. It's all like the scaled stuff, right? It's like SEO engine, PLG, blah, blah, blah. But they don't have like the, how do I get the entire company to buy ClickUp end to end? They don't know how to do that.
0: I swear I've seen ClickUp like plastered in hallways of airports. Am I making that up? Probably.
1: I mean, they've shut all that down because they want to build it more efficiently, which is another reason why I'm here, I think, because I did that at Superside.
0: All right. So you're going to build brand that way, but that's cool. Okay, so... And what's cool about partnering with the growth or being with the growth team like that, like you're going to go do enterprise-y stuff, but you're going to have like this kind of like secret weapon team helping you.
1: Exactly. Like that engine is like, keeps the lights on. And then we just build on top of that. And we identify from the 6,000 signups a day. Like our strategy is very simple. You identify of those 6,000, who are the ones, how do you identify, how do you PQL them? How do you know which ones can actually grow with us? What's the expansion play? And then you deploy that playbook. And then of course you cast a Wider net and a bigger shadow through amazing social and content marketing and all the stuff that we don't do for some reason.
0: We used to be like call them. That's how we're going to call them. We're going to call all six thousand. We're going to call them fifteen times in the first two weeks. That's how we're going to get them. We're going to call yeah.
1: Them. Sales tried that. I think they did call them. Of course. And, and they were like f you. Bye. Hang <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> all right, my friend. It's great to have you on. Let's have you on in a couple in, in two three months. I always appreciate trading emails with you, And reader People can go to LinkedIn. And send you a message. I know you'll. I can't wait till you email me because I know for a feeling you're gonna get so many people that reach out. Or
1: well, I'm in the community now. I'm in the Exit Five community. I signed up last oh, week, so
0: took you long enough. Goodness gracious! Why didn't I give it to you? Bad follow up by my team.
1: I was waiting to see if I would get a credit card at ClickUp, but no, no dice. So then I All was right. like, I'll just use mine. Sorry about
0: that. We usually send, <laughs> uh, you know, we usually onboard the VIPs with something special. I have to think about something else. Anyway, okay, yeah. So if you're in Exit Five, yeah, don't be. Or if you wanna send a message, that's a great paywall benefit. <laughs> Go <laughs> join. All right, you're awesome. I always appreciate talking to you. I hope you have a nice weekend in Boston. Enjoy the wedding, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Exit. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. There are three main factors that determine the success of your ABM programs. Number one, accurate target account lists with verified contact data. Number two, keeping your CRM data actionable with reliable enrichment. And number three, going beyond serving ads with automated outbound emails. Apollo offers an all-in-one solution for these needs. Easily discover target accounts with over 65 filters, including technographics, buyer intent, and job titles. Automatically validate and enrich contact data, streamline outreach, and boost campaign effectiveness with just a few clicks. They're ranked number one for contact and company data accuracy on G2. And with over 6,000 reviews and a 4.8 star rating, it makes sense why they're one of the most loved products out there right now. You can sign up for free with no credit card entry required. That's free for real free. No credit card even required at Apollo.io slash exit five. That's A P O L slash exit Exit 5.